Hi, and welcome to Women CEO in Reflection, a podcast dedicated to personal growth and mental health discussions with women CEOs across the globe. It's here where inspired women get candid about what drives them to succeed and the personal challenges they've encountered on their path to success. So if you're a woman on a mission, this is the podcast you don't want to miss. So sit back, relax, and let's get candid. Hi, and welcome to Women CEO in Reflection. I'm your host, Marisa Jones. Today's guest is Michelle Cummings. She's the co-founder, CEO, and chief creative officer at Personify Leadership. She's an author and sought-after speaker on team effectiveness and leadership development. Michelle has created a wide variety of experiential activities and courses that have collectively changed the way trainers and facilitators work. Welcome to the show, Michelle. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. So I'm so excited that you're here. Um, I love talking about leadership. I think it's mm. so important. Um, you have you have a lot of people that are in positions of power, but it mm. doesn't necessarily mean they are leaders. So tell That's me, right? <laughs> tell me a little bit about what your definition of a leadership leader yeah. is, and how you got to run a, a an organization. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you know. For me, I think that a lot of people, you know, like starting out, we all have, we all have great leadership skills within us, but uh, we we just need to know how to develop them and tap into them. And because most of the time, I think in organizations, a lot of people are hired up in an organization because they were really good at their job and not because they have great leadership skills. So, you know, what we do at Personify is we really help people tap into probably what is already there you know, through some of our programs and courses and, and literature is that they discover that probably some of the competencies that we cover, they already do pretty well, but there almost always an op- is an opportunity for them to find their development area. So I don't ever call them weaknesses because it's just one of those things like if you decide that you want to be better in something, then you can put some focus, time and energy to it and and really work on it for yourself. So, so in my mind, a leader is someone who, you know, is inspiring. They are someone that, um, you don't necessarily even have to be a people manager to be a leader. I think a leader is someone who uses their force for good, um, um, uses their power for good and, and really does it in a, in a way that influences others and their behaviors. I like how you said you don't have to be a people manager to be a mm-hmm. leader. Yeah. Uh, so why don't you give some examples of that to the audience? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, honestly, I've seen fifth graders be amazing leaders. And guess what? They're not managing other people, right? So leadership is really, you know, it is looking out for the interest of others and uh, and doing everything in your power to be a good role model or to encourage others to be their best selves as well. It's interesting because I actually wrote a course on leadership during the COVID lockdown. Oh, nice. It was was, called uh, Leadership for Women in Business, Soft Skills for Success. Mm. And Mm. and it's actually geared for somebody who's entry level, like getting Mm -hmm. getting back on their feet, somebody who's, you know, an admin or somebody who is new to the business world and, and, you know, just getting new training, new skills. Uh, specifically, I was gearing it towards domestic violence survivors who are mm. just starting over. Mm-hmm. And um, because you can be a leader in any role that you do, like you said, like you can be absolutely. a leader no matter what job you're doing. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, what is that? And, you know, you think about it from, from a personal perspective, like what that in, what does that embody in an individual when you are a leader? And yeah. so I just, I love talking about leadership. I think it's really important. That's great. 
So, um, so tell me, why do you focus on leadership? Why did, why, why did you focus your business on that? Yeah, you know, I my background is in experiential education and experiential activities. I I actually own an, um, a separate company called Training Wheels, and Training Wheels is a it's a team building company that is a creative resource for building teams. So, you know, I had developed multiple team building exercises through my work at Training Wheels, and and you know, I started Personify with. A client of mine, actually, she was she was a human resource director at a internally at an organization, and she had designed a leadership program that she really wanted her people to go through. And when she discovered me, she was like, "I've created this program, but it's very kind of." And these are her words: "It was very death by PowerPoint." It was. She's like, <laughs> "I know what skills to teach, but it's just not interactive, and I just don't want to put people to sleep because leadership can be so engaging and, and so energizing and exciting." So I need someone that has that little bit of a creative spark to come in and be able to like bring the skills to life, if you will. So so that's what I did. And I went in and and, you know, kind of helped her on a consultant basis just to kind of pop in some experiential activities that really brought that learning to life. And it went from being her least requested workshop to her most requested workshop that they had in their organization. So in my mind, I mean, leadership can be really fun. Now, of course, not, not everything we do as leaders is all fun and games, but, but when people are learning and they're, and they're trying out new skills, we have to do it in a way that is memorable, that they're going to feel it in their bones so that later when they go out to actually practice and do these skills and, and, and do these competencies with others that, they already feel like they've experienced it in some way, shape, or form. And that's where experiential activities come in, in my mind. So, so we, I designed this with uh, Angela Siebele. She is a, was my business partner for the first 10 years at Personify. And, and, you know, we just, we had so much fun designing this together and just really, you know, examining and looking at what are the eight core competencies that every leader should have, or at least have good self-awareness in, because, you know, as leaders, we we don't all start out with all of these skills being really great, but what we can do with them is identify and have good self-awareness around where our strengths are and where our development opportunities are. That's that's so cool. Um, you know, you said self-awareness. That is so mm. important as a leader to have self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think about the other aspect of it is mindset, because we talk a lot about mm. mindset and mental health on this podcast. So yes. what do you think the mindset of a leader is and how what kind of awareness around mental health do they need to have as a leader? Yeah, you know, one of the one of the competencies that we focus on is the mind of a leader. And we talk about how to be a leader who's emotionally resilient. And one of the things we talk about in there is mental health and what are your stress triggers? Um, what's your natural biofeedback when it comes to when you get stressed out? What it, where do you feel it in your body? Because all of us have our very own unique biofeedback. And really that's our body's first line of defense against stress and, and things that come up. And, and so, you know, some people get sweaty palms and some people will, you know, turn red or, you know, some people sweat, some people, you know, um, will get like faster breathing. Like those are, that is your body's way of saying it's your, you know, amygdala getting hijacked and saying, Whoa, you know, a lot on your plate right now. And so we have our biofeedback and then we have these other things called our behaviors so our biofeedback tells us that we're stressed, but our behaviors are the things that pop out when we are stressed. And 
So, you know, one of the skills that we teach is number one, to under have good self-awareness around what your biofeedback is and what your go-to stress behaviors are, because sometimes aren't always, uh, we aren't always at our best when we're in a high stress place. So we also talk about the different kinds of stress, like some stress will actually argue is actually good for you. Like it's the right kind of stress. So there's positive stress and then there's negative stress. So we teach a, we use a model we call the stress curve. And on one axis, if you think of a bell curve, on one axis, we have our performance. And then on the bottom axis, we have our stress level. And then we have four zones and then this big bell curve that happens. So in the first zone, it's too little stress. And so behaviors associated when we have too little stress is complacency, boredom, no, no real, you know, no real reason to get anything done. We procrastinate a lot in the too little stress place. Um, and then we have the next where our performance starts to rise a little bit, and that's optimum stress. And that's actually where things feel good. You've got the right amount of time to get all the things on your to-do list done to the quality in which you want them done. And it it kind of, it feels really good. It's energizing, engaging. I, I love optimal stress. Now, it doesn't mean I'm always going to stay there. Uh, that would be ideal, but there's no magic wand that will keep us in optimal stress the whole time. Um, and then our performance, that's at our peak performance there. And then of course we get into the negative stress as soon as we go into the next zone, which is too much stress. And that's where we start to get overwhelmed and we start dropping the ball on things. And, you know, like it starts to affect our health and the way we talk to others and treat others and, and things like that. And, and then we get into this final phase, which is what we call the danger zone. And, and that of course, our performance is very low. It can look very much like too little stress except for it feels very different to be in the danger zone. And, and of course, we can't expect the best of ourselves or of others, of the people that we lead or the people that we work with when people are operating in the danger zone. So, so that's just one of the you know skills and competencies and models that we teach around mental health and just having really good self-awareness or to do check-ins with yourself, with your team, with your family, and you know, kind of creating this foundational language with one another so that you can have simple questions like, hey, where are you at on the stress curve today? Uh, we use that in our office so much. And it's just really helpful if someone says, oh my gosh, I'm in the danger zone today. We're like, oh, okay, we don't want that. What, what do we need to do to help bring you back into either too much or to optimal? I mean, ideally we want you back in optimal, but what is it that we can do to help lighten your load or whether it be workload or just to lend an ear if you've got something personal going on in your personal life? And, you know, it just really being a good, having a good support system for those that we work with. That's such a great gauge because uh, I'll tell you, you just literally described described the curve of this IT project I'm on right now. Ooh, and the yep. whole team literally <laughs> not in the danger zone. Some of the employees are in the danger zone right now. But yeah, but and and I literally attribute it to leadership, the engagement mm. of the leadership and how they've they've kind of led this this across the board. So it's really yeah. interesting that you have that gauge because what that does is it, it allows when, when you have that to talk about, you have something to speak about the stress rather than just saying, I'm totally burnt out. You're, yeah. you're providing an environment where people can talk about it. Yeah. Um, and and you know, another cool thing easier. we do in that module is that it, it very organically at the very beginning of the module, we have everyone list out like four or five of their current stressors. Like what are the things that are currently, you know, stressing you out that you're losing sleep over and things like that. So we have them list those first. Then we teach them about the stress curve. Then we go in and then we, uh, we work through um, 
you know, a little, a few, few concepts around locus of control around where does our mind naturally go? What do we stress about? Do we stress about things that we have authority over influence over or no control over? And if you focus on, if your mind just spirals into things and you're stressing over things that you could do nothing about, that can be an indicator that you're an external locus of control thinker, that you, your mind naturally goes to, you know, kind of that spiraling out of control versus if you're stressing over things that you have control over and, or you have influence over, then congratulations, your stress is in the right place. <laughs> so, you know, so, you know, again, so not everyone would say that stress is, that's not everyone would say that stress is in the right place, right? Yeah, so exactly. I think that's a great way to look at it. <laughs> yes, very much. So, so, so what are some of the things that you do to maintain a stress-free life to maintain good mental health? Well, I will say it's not a stress-free life. That's for sure. Um, (laughs) It's not stress-free. However, you know, I know that I've always been kind of a good internal locus of control thinker. Like I naturally am a problem solver. Something happens I don't like. I'm like, Ooh, let's, what do we need to do to make sure that that does not happen again? So, so I know that that is already a skill and a gift that I have, but I will tell you, I, if I ever need, if I feel myself, my stress behaviors or my biofeedback that are totally present in the moment, I will, number one is, I know it takes 11 minutes to leave my office, walk around the block and then get back into my seat at my desk. And those 11 minutes save lives <laughs> or save relationships. How about that? Because, you know, I find that quick walks are just a way for me to just, it it allows the blood flow to go other places. And it really does clear my cloudiness out of my mind and just helps me think things through a little bit differently before I have an emotional response. So, so that's definitely one strategy that I do. And then um, I also have once a month, I have a girls group uh, that we get together and, you know, sometimes we read a book, sometimes it's book club, sometimes it's just life club. And uh, so, you know, maybe everyone else read a book, but then we show up and someone has something big going on in their life and, and uh, we don't even talk about the book at all. So it's really just, um, you know, that's once another, one of the skills that we teach in that course is around the value of connection and how important it is to have a good support system in your corner. It's your 2am friends. Like who are those people that you can call at the drop of a hat that would literally show up on your doorstep with whatever it is that you needed um, to, to, you know, lend an ear to help support. And, you know, and also that when you do reach out to others, you also get perspective and the perspective is others. Cause we can get into our own heads and we can make up stories. We're all such great storytellers around what the other person is saying and thinking and doing and whatever it is. And so, um, so what I love about, sharing your troubles with others is that you'll get perspective from them on and make you think about it maybe a little bit differently. Yeah, that's happened to me more than once where I get <laughs> get somebody else's perspective and then I go, oh right. That was mm-hmm. that was me or that was, you know, that was wrong or that was, you know, that's a better way to look at it. It's so important to to look at things like that because we can be so, like you said, set and focused in our ways. Um, Mm -hmm. I think, I think the other thing you said is really important that the 10 minutes, um, Mm. the 11 minute walk. um, I I say that to my teams a lot. We'll be on a call and, you know, we get like done early and it's like, oh, you've got 10 minutes. I'm giving that back to you. Go out and do some grounding, go for a walk, take a break. And they laugh at me, but it's incredible how just five to 10 minutes can change your mood so quickly. 
and just really calm and balance you. And so you can reset so you can continue on throughout your day. So I think Absolutely. that's great advice. During the pandemic, when we couldn't really go out and do things, I bought a vibration plate, which is one of those things that you stand on it and it like kind of bounces you back and forth a little bit. It kind of reminded me a little bit of like, remember in the sixties when they had those like shimmy things? Like it kind of reminds me a little bit of that. So the first first time I got on it, I was like, okay, this is a little bit strange, but, uh, but I will tell you, like, it literally shakes your entire spine, like your entire nervous system. And, and of course that's, I mean, so much that is in our brain, you know, spirals down through the rest of our bodies. So when we really can include movement, into our daily life. And, you know, and I'm not in the best of shape by any means. I am no sports fitness model by any means, but excuse me, but by just getting a little bit of movement, man, it just can help clear out that brain a little bit. It's the movement. It doesn't matter. Like it's just getting out and flow. I mean, it could be 10 minutes of dancing. It's just the movement that's important. Yep. I agree. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's great. We are running out of time. Any mm. parting words and where can people find you? Oh my gosh. Yes. That went super fast. So it sure did. So, yeah. Our website is uh, www.personifyleadership.com and uh, you can find me on LinkedIn and on Facebook and, and all of those things. And, but the website is the best way to find us, learn a little bit more about our programs. We do have open enrollment in, you know, workshops to where you could just come as an individual leader if you wanted to, to go through one of our courses. And, and then we've got a lot of stuff on our YouTube channel that's completely free. That is just a great little tidbits and little micro learning tools that you can do there as well. So, you know, for me, as far as final parting tidbits of, you know, advice or anything like that is just um, deep breaths and some good walks. And those are my things that really, I think, really help aid in my positive mental health and, and just recognizing that I can't do it all alone, like all by myself. Having that good support system is just so incredibly helpful just to get through, you know, not only just a leader at an organization, but just to get through life as well. That's great. Great advice. And that's definitely great advice for a leader. So thank you so much for being on the show. Really appreciate it and loved meeting you. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Women CEO in Reflection. To reach out to one of our guests, their contact is in the description of the show. Do you want a total mindset transformation? Apply to Mindset Warrior, The Art of Intentional Thinking, my personal coaching boot camp at IamAMindsetWarrior.com and schedule your call with me today. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to Women CEO in Reflection. To reach out to one of our guests, their contact is in the description of the show. Do you want a total mindset transformation? Apply to Mindset Warrior, The Art of Intentional Thinking, my personal coaching boot camp at IamAMindsetWarrior.com and schedule your call with me today. Thank you.